Yo, what's going on? It's your main man, Rick the Dawn. Hey, what's going on, y'all? So I just watched a very, very interesting documentary on Netflix, and I wanted to share my thoughts with you. And um, here we go. So if you don't know the Anna Nicole Smith documentary on Netflix, I believe it is called You Don't Know Me. And, you know, I was alive. Uh, I should say I was coherent and paying attention, rather when she was on her ascension and when she met her tragic end. I was paying attention, I was watching TV, and I was able to see the story from the sidelines and gather some opinions about, you know, how I felt at that particular point. And watching this documentary, I always felt like I've heard a lot, but I didn't know the intricate details. And uh, that's what this documentary does do. It does provide more clearer answers. Most of what I know about Anna Nicole came by way of tabloids. So I remember going to the grocery store with my mother and seeing Anna Nicole Smith. You know, when you go and you purchase your food, you have the magazines on your left side or your right side, and you can see the latest gossip. That is where I saw Anna Nicole Smith the most. Okay. And also saw her quite a bit on shows like Howard Stern. I remember having the reality TV show. I, I remember all of that. And seeing it a second time was very, very eye-opening. All right, so the question that guides this entire video or podcast, if you're listening there, by the way, you can listen to this video on the Rick and Don podcast if you haven't done so already. But the question that guides this entire segment is, is fame really worth it? So for those who don't know, Anna Nicole Smith is born in a very small space, I believe it's called Mexia or Mahia, uh, Texas. And she's a small time girl. She even admitted to, uh, herself that she wasn't well known in high school. Nobody really paid her much attention, you know, not the type of attention that she got later in her life. She's just another pretty girl, Texas, you know, homebody type of young lady. And then she has this issue with her mother and she essentially runs away and tries to get away. And she does what most teenagers do, which is find a way to get out of your house. And I've been there too. At 16, I was headed for the border. I said, I can't live under these strict rules anymore. And I need to find a way to get up out of here. And apparently I'm not the only one who feels that way. Anna Nicole went through the exact same thing. So she gets a job at a place called, uh, it's a fried chicken joint. Okay. And she meets a guy there who basically doesn't give her the same attention as most other guys do. And that grabs her attention so much so that she eventually marries the guy and they kind of go on and, you know, go on and do their own thing. Um, she ends up being at home a lot because the guy is pretty jealous, doesn't really want her to go out. Right. And to ease that loneliness, she has a child with the guy. And from there, you know, she starts figuring out or realizes that she has to support this child. So from there, she kind of moves, starts taking on odd jobs and gigs. One of those gigs being the strip club. And once there, she gets a taste of attention, the type of attention she might have been wanting from, you know, the beginning when she realized, hey, this is a small town. I can't really quench the thirst that I have for attention in this small place. So she goes to uh, the strip club. She's meeting all kinds, kinds of guys. Uh, she's very beautiful, very curvy, very, very voluptuous, just a good looking woman in general. And 
while working in this space, she encounters a billionaire. How how rare is that? And this billionaire happens to be very old. Uh, he's in his 90s by the time that Anna Nicole Smith runs into him. And like most men, he's enamored by a beautiful woman. And from that space forward, he realizes that he wants to take care of her. And even her small son, I think it's Daniel. So he does things to put her in his will and in the event that he were to die, her and her son will be taken care of. A lot of this stuff gets sidetracked because, um, you know, the billionaire's son has something to say about it. Basically stating, hey, I've been here since day one. I put up with all your mess. I've handled all your business affairs. I've done everything for you. And here you are falling in love with, uh, with a stripper of all things. And you're promising her the world. And I'm not going to go for it. So the billionaire's father did what I think was the prudent thing to do, which is intervene on his aging father's behalf, because as a person ages, they may not have the same level of understanding and mental quality to make certain decisions. So anyway, um, I think before she takes that plunge with the billionaire, that is to say, marry him, she wanted to make her own name for herself. And one of the ways that she did that was joining Playboy, right? So she joins Playboy and Hugh Hefner being Hugh Hefner sees a diamond in the dust and he makes her the playmate of the month or was it the playmate of the year or both. Don't quote me on either of those, but essentially he gives her the opportunity of a lifetime. And in this documentary, she even states that it was the dream job because it actually brought her dreams to reality. We know that her dreams from being in Mahia, Texas, were to blossom and get lots of attention and make a lot of money. And that is what Playboy afforded her. Okay. After joining Playboy, it is my understanding that she does marry the billionaire and you know, they're doing they're doing pretty good. Now, what was confusing for me in this documentary was while she was married, plenty of times on the Hollywood strip, she was seen with different guys and kind of doing that kind of thing. And it made me wonder, did he not see that? Did he not know that was happening? Was it so much of an arrange, arrangement where he wasn't the jealous type? He's like, hey, he's 90 years old. He has a beautiful woman. Let her have her fun as long as she takes care of me. One of the most tragic parts of this documentary, and I'm not sure how they got the information or how they got um, the video or the clips or the sound bites, but one of the most tragic things that I heard, at least one of, was... The billionaire making phone calls to Anna Nicole Smith's cell phone. And, you know, you hear the first call. It goes to voicemail. And he leaves this gut-wrenching voicemail on Anna, uh, Anna Nicole Smith's cell phone. Like, hey, your husband is calling. He's old. She doesn't answer. He calls again. Hey, your husband misses you. She doesn't answer. Voicemail goes off. And I'm like, okay, they're going to stop here. They keep going. Like, hey, uh, my, the love of my life, I'm thinking about you. Hang up the phone. Call back. Hey, are you there? Yeah, the so if you don't understand what I'm saying, what I'm saying is he was this old guy, 90 plus, calling this hot bombshell who, for all intents and purposes, is married to him, and he can't reach her. And not only that, he's basically practically begging for her just to answer the phone, right? She eventually answers the phone after what felt like six phone calls that just went to voicemail. She answered the phone and apparently the reason she was not answering the phone is because she was asleep. 
So she answered the phone and she says, hey, I, I, you call? You know, and he's like, hey, my, my sweet. Uh, I was just just checking on you, something like that. And she's like getting mad at him, like not not angry, mad, but like, you know, jokingly mad. Like, I'm going to kill you. I'm trying to get some sleep out. And then he, he tries to give her these compliments. And she's like, look, just tell me and I'm, tell me tomorrow. I won't remember today. She does that. And he's like, oh, OK, OK. Well, I love you, my dear. And he hangs up the phone. So it was very difficult to watch that because it's hard not to see what they don't want you to see. And I think what Anna Nicole, has she known that was put to the or given to the public? She would have wanted us to believe overall that she loved this guy for who he was, that she didn't want to use him for his money, that she really cared about him. And most of that may be true. But you couldn't tell me. You just couldn't because I'm I'm a you know, I'm not I'm not a silly and naive individual. You couldn't tell me that she didn't treat him just a little bit like an ATM, just a little bit. Right. And, you know, maybe he asked for that because he's a billionaire. He's 90. Hey, bro, why, why are you dating a playboy playmate? Like, seriously, um, if you're not expecting what comes with that. So I'm not saying or condemning Anna Nicole Smith whatsoever or maybe just a little bit, but not as much as some might believe. Right. Um, so that was very difficult to watch. But eventually the billionaire does pass away. And there starts to be this crazy frenzy over his will and, you know, who inherits all this money. And Anna Nicole basically tells um, the media, she tells, I think she even files a lawsuit saying that uh, the billionaire promised half of his estate or half of his fortune to her. And of course, the billionaire's son is just not going for it. For it. He's just like, my father didn't say that. He wouldn't say that. And that brings about a long, long legal battle that is just, I'm pretty sure, very pricey. But moving beyond that, Anna Nicole Smith eventually starts a reality TV show. Now, if you were born or I should say alive, paying attention in the 90s, that was the reality TV boom. A lot of it started with the Ozzy Osbourne show and then it continued to spiral from there. You know, from there, you got the Anna Nicole Smith show. You got Odd Couple with Flavor Flav and uh, whatever that lady's name was. You got Flavor of Love. You got all these different spinoff shows that captured re, uh, celebrities in their true essence. And that became just this huge phenomenon that took over somewhere in the 90s. Don't, don't quote me on that. But anyway, Anna Nicole Smith decides to do it because it's extra income and you know, I think her mindset is anytime that my name is said, whether it be positive or negative, positive or negative press, I'm going to generate a dollar. And I think that was her whole mindset. And, you know, we have a famous saying out there. Good press or bad press is still a press. It's still attention. And I think that's where she was coming from. But uh, she starts to kind of get in her head a little bit and wants to have a second child. By this point, her first child that she had in Maya, Texas, is older now, and he's starting to experience a lot of the same tragedies that Anna Nicole Smith is starting to experience, and that being experimenting with prescription drugs, right? Uh, there's a friend or a couple friends, but the one I'm talking about in, uh, in particular, 
she mentioned saving Anna Nicole Smith's life at one point because Anna Nicole Smith was really doing some weird things to get her weight down, taking weird prescriptions to get her weight down because she was in the public eye. A lot of scrutiny came upon her and the way that she looked and her weight. Right. And one of the most despicable people on the planet Earth, Howard Stern, um, public, publicly humili uh, humiliated Anna Nicole Smith for her weight. He said that she was over 300 pounds and just one of the most despicable displays of humanity I've ever seen. OK, uh, for those people who know me well enough, you know, I have a great dislike for Howard Stern. I think he is one of the most despicable people on the planet Earth. OK, so he drums up this whole bit about how much Anna Nicole Smith weights, weighs. And he's pointing out that she weighs over 300 pounds and she doesn't really know how fat she is. That kind of thing. And if you know a woman, if you know any woman in existence, you know, uh, throwing dirty shots and cheap shots at their weight is one of the most despicable things you can possibly do as a human being, let alone a man. But Howard Stern does that in spades. But anyway, um, so she starts to uh, experiment with prescription drugs and her son inherits some of that. Uh, there's a story in the documentary where her son is taking some type of method methadone, something like that. And he encounters one of Anna Cole Smith's friends at a club. And the friend says, hey, Daniel, why are you taking these drugs? Take some cocaine instead. So that is the world that he was being brought up in. He, by a friend of Anna Cole Smith, was offered cocaine instead of taking methadone. Right. And this particular friend didn't wait for the methadone to clear a system. No, he's saying, hey, you shouldn't be taking methadone. Here's some more drugs for you uh, so that you can, you know. Try you, you. You shouldn't be doing this drug. You should be doing this drug. So let's give you this drug while this drug is still, still in your system. And he also gave him uh, some, some something to drink in conjunction with the uh, the drugs, cocaine, I believe it was. So anyway, um, eventually her son succumbs to these experimental drug orientations, and he dies. And the saddest part is he dies on the day that Anna Nicole has her second child, which is a little girl. So it's very sad. And if it wasn't the day, it was within that week. I want to say the day after possibly. But the saddest part is she gained a child and lost a child on the same day. And the father of this second child that she had was, for all intents and purposes, a sperm donor. It was a friend of hers who pretended to be her photographer, maybe slept with her on the side. She wanted someone that no strings would be attached to. So this guy agrees to uh, have a child with her for her, you know, basically saying, hey, I don't want any attachment to the child. I understand you want this child. I, I would like to help you. Um, but we knew where this was going. Right. The minute uh, that child was birthed and, you know, the minute that he realized that he could gain something from the situation, that's when things start to switch. So eventually. At the end of the story, he tries to take Anna Nicole Smith to court so that he could have parental rights over the child. And we know why, because Anna Nicole Smith is supposedly the heir of this billionaire or rather the uh, the will guarantee or guarantor of the billionaire. So I think the guy who who Anna Nicole used as a sperm donor realized, like, wait a minute, if Anna Nicole Smith is entitled to half of a billion dollars, 
then her child should also. And I want a piece of that. And that's kind of what her life became. It became this thing where everyone was trying to take a piece of her. And it was really sad to watch. But um, she eventually succumbs to all the pressures of Hollywood, all the pressures of stardom, all the pressures of fame. She lost her son, all these different things. And eventually she uh, succumbed to these different uh, obstacles. And if we, I saw this coming. And even though I knew that she passed away, I know how she passed away. I know, I know the surrounding information about her passing. I get all, I knew all that already, but this gave me a different look at, I looked at it differently now because I'm older. You know, I think the first time I, or I should say the last time I even thought about it, Anna Nicole Smith, I had to be every bit of like 13 years old. You know, I'm watching TV. She comes on, I turn it off. She passed away. It's just passing news for me. I'm not the biggest fan. I'm not heavily invested in her life. You know, so I, I watched, I'm watching TV. She passes. It's like, oh, that's sad. <clears throat> and we keep it moving. Um, but watching it now uh, in my 30s is certainly a different, uh, it was a different reaction to it because it was more sad now, you know. Um, and I knew it would happen because she was so attached to her son. Um, she told the billionaire several times, like, everything I do, I'm doing it for Daniel. Everything she was doing was for Daniel. And, you know, I really felt that she mishandled him. And, you know, I hate to be critical, but that's what happened. You know, she allowed him to see too much, to do too much to just be involved in too much too soon his life was it had to be difficult to be soon his life was it had to be difficult to be daniel uh with a mother like that you know his his mother is on or uh, in playboy magazines she's most of the time very nude you can only imagine what his life might have been like as he was uh in school we know that school age children can be the worst they can poke fun at you they can you know, ridicule you like nobody else. I think middle school kids, high school kids are some of the worst people on the planet for, for a time. But that is what he had to, you know, that's that's what he was dealing with, I'm sure. So he, he passes away and I just knew that it wouldn't be much long after that, that she would also, um, you know, pass away by way of depression and prescriptions. I just kind of felt it was coming soon after his passing. And it turns out she had moved, and this is something I didn't know, she moved to the Bahamas because in the Bahamas, whoever signs the birth certificate is the legal father of the child. And by that point, the sperm donor had started to show interest that he wanted to be the father of the child because I think he smelled money. And her thing was, look, you know, we had an agreement. You're not going to be involved. So she went to the Bahamas to try to avoid him. And she brought the guy who she was actually dating, her attorney, her attorney, who she was also seeing. And she brought him to sign the birth certificate in the Bahamas, making him the legal father. Right. But um, none of that really mattered because she ended up passing away. And unfortunately, because of the efforts of the billionaire's son, Anna Nicole's daughter was not uh, she was not given anything. She didn't she didn't inherit, inherit any of uh, the billionaire's fortune. And that's another tragedy in this in of itself, because nothing came of all this fighting, all these legal battles nothing came of it and none of it will benefit the young lady her daughter in the end so the question is is fame really worth it all right that's the big question um if you don't know you can see this documentary on netflix if you want to know whether or not i recommend it i absolutely do absolutely do in fact i would give it a nine out of ten without question 
Um, could things been different? That's a big question I often ask myself or was asking myself as I was watching the documentary. Um, could things have been different for, for her? I'm not sure if the answer is yes. All I know is when people make their minds up about something, it's very, very difficult for that thing to be changed. I think it takes a lot of bad experiences for people to realize, wait a minute, let me think this over again, right? Because it's hard not to look at it this way. She was a young lady in Mejia, Texas. Had she been satisfied with Mejia, Texas, or just Texas in general, or the small life, or the normal life in general, would she still be alive today? I don't know. You know, I feel like the answer is yes. I would like to think it is. But ultimately, that just wasn't enough. She had big dreams, big aspirations. And that caused her to do big things, try big things, take risks. And there's something to be said about why that's admirable. But the problem is it comes with a lot. Uh, the guiding question for this whole video is, is fame really worth it? Here's a good thing that comes with fame. Notoriety, sometimes prestige, sometimes money, all that stuff is cool. Here's the stuff that nobody ever signs up for. Negative, negative press. You can't go outside. You can't do the normal things like walk the street. You can't go out in public. Uh, you know, you lose control of your own image. Can you imagine that? You go outside and you simply go to the garbage can or to the curb and you walk back in your house. Meanwhile, there's five cameras all taking pictures of you simply opening your door, going to the curb, going back in the house. One of those publications are going to say, uh, you know, you're sleepwalking, you're depressed, you can't sleep, so you're just walking to the curb. The other one's going to say, you walked to the curb, you were contemplating suicide, and you realized it was a bad idea, you went back into your house. The other one's going to say, you just had an argument with your, you know, you see what I'm saying? So you lose control of yourself, your image, and it becomes this very, very toxic thing that I absolutely hate. I hate media sensation, uh, sensationalism culture, and this is the exact reason why. Uh, you saw when Anna Nicole Smith walked the Hollywood strip, how many cameras were barged in front of her face. And unfortunately, she was so naive. She thought that they were all there for her good. And she didn't realize it until some negative stuff came out. And that's when things start to switch. She started to realize that, wait a minute, these people are putting spins on my photographs. And it just was a sad thing. I'm not sure that Anna Nicole Smith could have lived a normal life based on what I've heard from her friends, her family. They all said the same thing. She absolutely loved attention. And, you know, that is the new drug. We see that now. And it's, it's really sad because she would love this current era of life and, and time where people will do just about anything for a click or a like. Um, this is this would have been her era, her golden time. And it's crazy because she passed away just before it. It's insane. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about is idolization. You can tell that she had a great admiration for Marilyn Monroe. It was mentioned several times in the documentary. And I want to say it's so important to be careful about idolizing people and looking at people as idols or gods even. And we have that going on in today's culture where some people, not all, Look at celebrities as if they're idols and role models and gods. And you have to be careful with that because they're not. They're normal people. And I know it's hard to see it that way. When you see somebody on television, it's hard not to think that they're more than just a human being. 
But I'm, let me tell you, they're just a human being with a camera in front of them. Okay, that's it. That's that's the only thing. That's the only difference. And we saw that several times in this documentary where Anna Nicole Smith had this great admiration for Miller Monroe. And why is so crucial to be careful who you look up to, who you idolize. don't idolize anybody as far as I'm concerned, but it's so careful or it's so important to be careful about that because she idolized Marilyn Monroe in a way that was unnatural, so unnatural that she almost died the exact same way or lived the same life arc that Marilyn Monroe lived. That's what it felt like. This seemed like Marilyn Monroe, the sequel. And it was even mentioned in this documentary that Anne Nicole felt as if she was the you know, the daughter of Marilyn Monroe, you know, not literally, but hypothetically, or, uh, you know, just like she felt spiritually connected to her that much that she felt as if she was the daughter of Marilyn Monroe. Now, how insane is that? Be careful who you idolize. Um, but anyway, the last point I want to make is secret battles. So you never really knew that Anna Nicole Smith was going through all this. You saw the tabloid, so you knew there might be something there, but it was hard to know for sure because she never came out really and spoke on it. But those secret battles are the same battles that ultimately took her life. And, you know, the crazy part is we all have them. We all have our secret battles. Every single person watching and or listening to this has something in their life that they're battling with. And, you know, I just pray that both you and I overcome these battles because it's such a tragedy when the battle wins. You know, I believe that Anna Nicole Smith could have been a great inspiration for people. It's a lot of young ladies that live in small towns, black, white, Asian, orange, green, black, whatever, that, you know, want more out of life. And if nothing else, I hope this uh, this documentary shows them that it's not all worth it. Sometimes you sit in your little room, you sit in your little house, your little, you got your little car, and you think to yourself, how great it would be if I had more. But as I stated earlier, there's more that comes with that. Yeah, it'll be cool to have your own private jet, but there's more that comes with it. Maintenance, uh, price, um, you know, danger because you're flying all the time. It's a lot that comes with it, right? Jealousy, people trying to use you. And maybe, just maybe, it's okay to be someone from a small town that no one pays attention to. At the very least, you have privacy, you have peace. And if you learn to appreciate that peace and not look at it as a negative, I think you might have the secret to life. The secret to life just might be being happy with what you have. The secret to life might be being content with what you have. Uh, the secret to life might be understanding that you have it better than a lot of people and that a lot of people would take your life as bad as you perceive it to be. Maybe that is the secret to life. Right. And more importantly, whatever you're going through, you have. You have to get through it. You got to battle. You got to win. That's why it's called a battle. It's a secret battle. And I don't know how you beat your battle. I'm not sure how Anna Nicole could have beaten her battle with prescription drugs. But perhaps the first step would have been to admit she had a problem and to seek help. And if no help was available, then perhaps she would have had to dig deep and, you know, put herself in an awkward space, like going to a space where no prescription pills were available. Uh, deleting the phone of her prescription providers. And, you know, is this, it's, there's always a way. I do believe that. I always believe that there's a way. Um, people make a way if they don't have a way. And it just depends. Do you want to make a way? That's the question. But I, I really enjoyed the documentary. Um, I do recommend checking it out. 
I didn't want to watch it. I saw the the thumbnail that Netflix provides for the for this whole series or the, the video, the movie documentary. And I was like, all right, I'll check it out one of these days. But I had some things I had to do. So I, I turned it on in the background and it turned out to be very good. And I kind of put down what I was doing and watched the documentary and was very, very intrigued. So uh, I do recommend it. Go check it out. And, you know, I think you'll be happy you did. But nevertheless, thank you for checking this out. Throw a like on the video if you enjoy any of this. I'll see you on the next one. Peace.